This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he believes having an emergency preparedness plan is crucial, is my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, where it is my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your Chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Jason Mock, President and CEO of the San Marcos Area Chamber to learn how the Holman Brothers have provided value for his chamber. Two years ago, we brought in Holman Brothers to help our organization go to that next level. And in those two years, our team has transformed the way that we think about sponsorships and non-dues revenue. And I would really encourage you, if you're looking to take your chamber to the next level, to bring on the Holman Brothers. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Our guest for this episode is Natalie English. Natalie currently serves as the President and CEO of the Wilmington Chamber of Commerce in North Carolina. She's served for almost 25 years in a Chamber of Commerce leadership role and over 30 years advocating on behalf of business. Natalie believes it's her calling to work with business, government, and elected leaders to make her community attractive for business growth and investment. Natalie has almost 30 years of experience monitoring legislative and regulatory issues locally, statewide, and at the federal level. She's had a strong track record of success and has been responsible for building community support for many investments and infrastructure that have been key to economic development in the communities in which she has worked. She's had leadership experience and background in affecting policy that impacts the cost and ease of doing business, quality of life, and workforce. Natalie found herself faced with the opportunity to advocate on behalf of her community, Wilmington, following Hurricane Florence. Natalie has taken many of the lessons learned during that natural disaster to lead her community through the economic crisis associated with the pandemic, which we'll cover in this episode in more detail. In her spare time, Natalie enjoys spending time with her son Rick on the sidelines of many sports activities, playing golf, reading, and writing. But Natalie, I'm excited to have you with me today on Chamber Chat Podcast. If you would, just take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber Champions and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. So hi, Chamber Champions. It's um, it's great to be able to be with you this way. Uh, I have, admire so many of you across the country um, and, and appreciate inputs and, and things that I've learned from all of you. So I hope that I can share something helpful for you. So I guess something interesting about me, um, I love to sing. And while I'm not trained to do so, I have a decent voice and so have uh, enjoyed over the years Uh, in in a couple of churches that I've been a member of to be able to sing with the band. So we're not talking about just Tim books, which I do, um, but rock and roll. And um, so uh, you never know. I may, when I retire from this, go try to replace Mick Jagger, you know, as as old as he is, but (laughs) but, uh, I'm not that good, but I do love to do it. So So what's one of your favorite songs to sing? Oh gosh. Wow. I mean, there's, there's so many, my my favorite artist. um, uh, Christian contemporary artist is Natalie Grant. Interestingly, yeah. um, she has the same name that I do, but we have had a band leader tell me that our voices are similar. Now she's way better than I am and much better trained than I am, but I can, I can sing her songs really well because we're the same range. So yeah. I love her and I'll just love the, 
I, I love worshiping through music. And so um, I just, yeah, it's what I like to do. That's awesome. I love these little facts I get to learn about people as we do the <laughs> podcast. So thank you for sharing. Sure. Uh, tell us a little bit about your chamber, about the Wilmington Chamber, kind of size, staff, budget, location, just to kind of give us all perspective as we get into our discussion. Sure. And there's a little bit of a, a little bit of history perspective that needs to go along with yeah. that. When I joined the Wilmington Chamber in March of 2017, we were a total of five staff. Our roles said we had a, around 900 members um, and our budget was in the eight hundred to $900,000 range. Um, we have been through a major hurricane, a minor hurricane and a pandemic. And I'm really pleased to say that we finished 2021 um, with uh, a $1.2 billion revenue and and expenses. Did you um, say billion? Mi- million, oh, okay. sorry. Well, I want <laughs> what are a billion. you doing? Let's I change want our topic. a billion, yeah. sorry. 1.2 <laughs> million. I've been talking about um, building bridges and that that's always starts with a B. So yeah. sorry, 1.2 million. Um, and we just added our eighth staff person awesome. uh, last month. So, uh, so continuing to grow, finding the ways we do that and doing that in the midst of and post disasters. So I'm really proud of my team. That is great. Well, it says a lot about the work you're doing too, to still provide that value and which is going to be evident in our discussion today, but to, to see that return on investments and, and to see that growth continue yeah. um, even through the pandemic. So our topic for discussion today, I've kind of hinted towards it as I read through your bio and, and just now, but we'll be focusing our, our discussion on disaster and economic recovery. Um, and I'm excited to get into this discussion with you. You've had some, you know, I hesitate to say great experience because I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> great experience going through it, but some valuable lessons that have come out yes. of that. So we'll get into that discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat, Shop, Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chamber Nation hears from its customers that they help make it fun again to present the value of membership. That's because so much is provided to help each member promote their business, and with monthly ROI reports from Chamber Nation, they know their membership is already working to help them succeed. There are three words in Chamber of Commerce, and Chamber Nation knows that their customers take care of the Chamber, but Chamber Nation takes care of the commerce. This way, both teams working side by side deliver a whole lot more in membership value. 
With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. All right, Natalie, we are back. Um, so disaster and economic recovery. I'd mentioned before with Hurricane Florence that ripped through Wilmington and you know caused destruction. You had another minor hurricane as well. Um, what kind of lessons did you learn through these natural disasters that would lead you to, to help your community be prepared and to be able to sure. bounce back and recover afterwards? It's funny, you know, to be, to think about being fortunate for a disaster, but, um, and it, and it, it, it was, it was a great experience because it had um, equipped me, I think, to, to help to lead my community um, through the pandemic. And so in September of 2018, Hurricane Florence uh, was expected to be a category five storm. And so I left town with my young son at the time and um, our our dog and we camped out in a basement at a friend's house in Charlotte and um, instead of being a category five she downgraded but she sat here for days just dumping rain on our community and our region and um, I, you know, because I still had internet service and phone in Charlotte I started calling colleagues around the country. And so shout out to folks at Chambers of Commerce in the Houston area, in the New Orleans area, who had been through major hurricanes, uh, who, who provided advice and counsel to me. And so from that basement in Charlotte, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I received from, from our colleagues in the Houston area uh, was to make sure that the community gets connected. That some of the, the some of the scariest things that can happen are that people get left behind in recovery. And the way to prevent that is to make sure that we're talking as we're responding to uh, to, to the the immediate needs in the community. And so I called my friend, the CEO of the United Way of the Cape Fear area, and said, I think we need to get the not-for-profit response agencies together with the business community because I had been getting calls, right? So um, from, from the response agencies asking me if I had a business that could provide this or that. And the, the requests started sounding the same. And so I had that fear that we were falling into this trap of having multiple responses to one family and no responses to another family. And so called in um, church leaders from across the community and found that we did have some um, less connected communities, um, less affluent communities, communities of color who were not receiving the same responses as others. And it was unintentional and yet it still was happening. And so that was the biggest lesson I learned is that immediately after some sort of disaster, making sure that you've, your community is well connected, putting aside competition and putting aside potentially partisan differences. And, um, and and I'm so proud of this community for doing just that and being able to, to develop not only the response, the immediate response, but then to continue working together, literally even through the pandemic, um, we've been working together to 
uh, identify grant dollars that could help us become a more resilient community Mm -hmm. when the next storm hits. So uh, infrastructure, specifically water, sewer, and uh, electricity infrastructure that would withstand the next major storm that might come through. Uh, We've continued to stay together because response can sometimes take years uh, to complete um, when there's damage done to homes. Then the second major lesson I learned is um, that there is a lot of opportunity to help individuals and families recover from storms, but there was nothing for business unless you wanted to take out a loan. We invited the SBA into the chamber building after that hurricane and said, come help our businesses. But when when a business is impacted so detrimentally, they don't even have the capacity for a loan. And so yeah. so that's so I started then advocating in this community and at the state level to say, look, the next time a major storm comes to any any place in our community, in our in our state, we need to be ready to respond because those businesses represent jobs. Sometimes it's two jobs, but sometimes it's 20, sometimes it's 500, but whatever the number is something has to be available, not just for an individual to save their home, but for their employer to save their job. Yeah, that's so I was a broken record. That's so broken important. Record. Yeah. And I think that gets overlooked. I'm curious, what kind of traction have you seen as you started to advocate for businesses to be able to recover after a disaster? Well, um, and I can't take credit for it happening at the federal level and because I'm not sure my voice has been that loud. Um, but I but I think that um, coupled with colleagues around the country who've been through this and who've said the same thing, um, when when we hit the lockdown for COVID, the amount of uh, investment that our federal government, our state government, and then our local government were willing to make in businesses that that were forced to shut down as a result of the pandemic. The, that did that doesn't happen. You're right. We um, you, so even though government doesn't force a shutdown post disaster, natural disaster, the shutdown still happens. Mm-hmm. But this time, because government forced the shutdown, they also saw themselves um, as a as a as a as a resource for recovery from that shutdown. And so, we here at the chamber advocated locally for our city and county to use some of the dollars that were allocated from the federal government to invest in the recovery and reopening of our business community. And they responded four and a half million dollars that we were able to to distribute in our community. And then because we were so successful in advocating for it, they turned around and said, okay, can you manage the program? And of course we said, yes, eyes wide open, what have we done? But um, that also brought in some revenue for us because they were willing to to pay us to administer the program and and then to help them get the money out more quickly. And while I'm looking around the state at other communities who still haven't figured out how they're going to spend their American Recovery Plan funds, yeah. we've already gotten ours out the door because our local governments worked quickly. Yeah. And the time is so key to that, right? I mean, the more really the money is. just sits there and, you know, it's not getting out to the businesses. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not doing the purpose that it's supposed to be doing. Right. right. So I'm curious, as you reached out to, through the, the hurricane situation, as you reached out to other chambers, you had mentioned in the Houston area, did you happen to chance to, chance to speak to uh, Diane Probst at Rockport Fulton? 
I don't remember. So I actually, yeah, I spoke to so many. I had her on the podcast way back in episode 12. So over 150 episodes ago, she was talking about, you know, the hurricanes that have hit them, you know, on the Texas coast yes, and what they've did to, you know, prepare and the infrastructure and everything going forward. Mm -hmm. But then it was interesting because I had recorded that and it was just a few months later that, you know, the pandemic hit and, I actually had several recordings for the podcast ready to go, but that week when everything shut down, I was like, you know what, we're going to push these back a little bit. I'm going to mm-hmm. replay that episode from Diane Probst because ah, there good. are so many key lessons in there from a natural disaster that can be applied to economic recovery and just, you know, a, a pandemic, you know, yes. I guess at the time we didn't realize it was necessarily going to become a pandemic, right? but key lessons to be learned. So um, share with us what some of these things are that you took from the natural disaster experience, um, experiences and being able to roll those over into, you know, pandemic response and relief and recovery, um, from that situation is that I see that being a lot more applicable to chambers across the country. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think that you sometimes chamber members, they write their check and maybe they come to an event or two. Um, but maybe they they don't really think they hear from their chamber, right, for the year. And then the, the renewal notice comes up. Um, so, you, so we are all struggle. We all struggle with making sure that our investors see the relevance, even if they don't participate in the programming, right? And, um, and, and what's the best communications tool to do that? Uh, I will tell you, if Chamber of Commerce does not take full advantage of any disaster that strikes, but being that uh, trusted source of information about the resources, um, where the pandemic was concerned about uh, new regulations and and new guidelines. I mean, the guidelines were changing and still are, right? Um, it feels like by the hour. And and so we post hurricane and um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we Im- implemented uh, daily and, and and then for not for long, but for a few weeks daily, people wanted to hear from us every day about what was new and what do we need to do and where do we, where are we going to find help? And, and so we, we did daily emails probably for about six weeks into the pandemic. And then we waned back to about twice a week um, and did that well into the fall of 2020. Uh, We're now back to our once a week um, official news related email that we send to our members, but uh, it it showed them that we were on top of what was going on and that we could connect them. It improved our relationship with many of them who didn't hear from us. And it also uh, opened up a line of two-way communication so that they could tell us the issues they were facing we may not know about. I had you know, manufacturers at the, at the very beginning stages saying, but we are essential services, right? So different types of businesses wanting to make the case to our elected leaders that they were essential to the, to, to, to our country, to our community. And so uh, it opened up two-way communication with some companies we had been getting checked for from for years, but hadn't really heard from. And so um, never waste a disaster as a chamber of commerce is what I would suggest. Yeah. I've heard a quote about that, you know, never let a good disaster go to waste, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So when you talk about two-way communication, is that they would respond back to the email or they would get that 
input from you from those weekly or daily emails and then pick up the phone and call? Or how is that two-way communication established? Uh, so some of it would happen in response to the email. And then um, you know, when I when I moved here in 2017, I reluctantly put my cell phone number on my business card. <laughs> um, but in hindsight, I'm, I'm glad because we all got sent home, right? And, yeah. and yes, I could check my voicemail or I could forward my voicemail from my office phone. But they... Um, our members, those who wanted to reach out to me and who were able to get their hands on my cell phone number, I believe they just they felt um, like they had a more immediate connection. So a lot of it really did come through my cell phone number, but also in response to the email. Um, you know, my staff team, I've uh, surrounded myself with people who are well connected in different parts of our community than I am. And so they got direct phone calls from our members and uh, it just, we were, we were responsive that we were available and we were responsive, even though we were not sitting in the chamber building, we were each sitting in our individual home offices, but, um, but we were available for them. Yeah. yeah. So I think you had also touched on the idea of being the trusted resource for information. And we hear that being said a lot these days in reference to chambers of commerce, but just to stress that point a little bit more, um, we see in communities all over that the, what was the traditional trusted news outlets, you know, local TV, newspapers, things like that are, you know, if they haven't closed or, you know, shut down, their resources are much less to cover those important stories to, to establish that, you know, information base where it's a, it creates a void in communities where chambers of commerce really are very well suited to fill that void and to get out that information. And you don't need to cover, you know, all the high school, you know, sports events and all that, but, you know, those things that are important to get information right. out in your community. Yeah. Um, what communication methods, you, met, you mentioned email, what communication methods do you guys use to help establish, you know, that trusted, um, you know, credibility in your community. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it's not unique. I mean, we do, we, we, um, in, under normal circumstances, let's call them, we send a weekly email and it, it includes, um, you know, a, a president's report, we call it. So it's something, some topic from me that's um, current and, and maybe in, in the works that we inform our members about. Uh, we, then we also um, have gotten much better over the, the last few years at incorporating social media and connecting with our, com our business community through our social media outlets. Um, we haven't yet dived into TikTok, but we're on every other channel there is out there. Um, and so, and TikTok's next. They keep, my staff keeps telling me they want me to start doing videos. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, and then, um, and then I would say again, um, because, uh, yeah, you know, we just celebrated last week our 155th consecutive annual meeting. Wow. So this Chamber of Commerce is more than 155 years old, and many chambers right across the country, or many communities across the country, have had chambers of commerce in their community for that long. And so I think um, I think we need to be. I think it's incumbent upon us to keep being that trusted source because they, I think that um, I, I really believe that uh, we, we don't fall into the same category as, as, you know, say 
members of Congress, right? The, you know, the right. people who say Congress is, I don't trust Congress, or I don't trust the legislature, or I don't trust. That's only because um, because the the, you know, the the perception that they're all about politics, and, and they're still doing really good work on our behalf. But for for the chambers of commerce, we're seen as the place to go for information about tourism, for information about starting a business, and so it's not political at the start. And so just taking advantage of that reputation that we've had for over a hundred years in most of our communities, I think is is how to do it. And then using every channel possible because different people are communicated with differently. And then finally, I would say that um, you can't only communicate with everybody with the same voice, right? So um, me as a white woman chamber CEO, um, probably isn't the right person to communicate with our young professionals in this community. I'm probably a little older than they'd like to see. Um, or um, you know, we have some great leaders of two councils that we've created, an African-American business council and a Latin American business council. And so we make sure that whenever we have critical messaging that needs to get out to the entire business community, that we we engage with them to help us get that word out, um, whether it has to be in a different language or through different channels, um, because everybody's not going to listen to the white female chamber CEO. And, and you just got to accept that and, um, and use those other vehicles and show that willingness to build those bridges between communities. Right. I think a, a point that you touched on that, you know, turned on the light bulb in my mind is when you talked about, you know, 155 years for the Wilmington Chamber. Um, talk about credibility. You know, you guys right. aren't going anywhere. You've been around a long time. You've been representing business in your community for a long time. Mm -hmm. And being able to get that messaging out to the community and say, look, we are here for you. We're here to help make Wilmington or whoever's listening, you know, your own community, a strong right. place, you know, a great place to live and work and to do business. Yeah. Um, it, it builds that credibility. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to circle back and I apologize because this kind of goes back to when you're talking about the disaster recovery uh, mm -hmm. from the storms, but you had mentioned uh, how you reached out to church leaders, yes. um, which I thought that's genius. I mean, they have a close following, right? They're in good, mm -hmm. typically they're going to be in close mm -hmm. communication with you know members of their congregations. Granted, not everybody in the community attends a church or, you know, regularly to have that relationship, but you're getting certain segments of the population that, like you mentioned, are being missed. Um, I wanted to kind of piggyback on that maybe and, and even add in uh, homeowners associations. Mm -hmm. So that would be another mm -hmm. way to reach some of those in communities Absolutely. that normally your email blast wouldn't necessarily reach, but in times of a disaster or emergencies, they can be a, a great resource to help you connect with the greater community. Absolutely. And um, and I would also say um, other membership associations, right? So locally, we have a strong partnership with our Home Builders Association and our Realtors Association and, and then um, other chambers of commerce in our region. So and in, and in some of those cases, um, they have significantly fewer staff than we do. And so I considered it extreme flattery when I would have a chamber exec from another county in the region or another partner, you know, text, call, email me and ask me if they could um, cut and paste our yeah. information. I'm, I said, absolutely, this is not, this is, I don't own it. I, I got it from other places. So please just do whatever you need to do. You can 
forward it as is, or you can paste it in your own template and take credit for it. I don't care because the, at that time in our region, it was it, it was about getting the word out about the resources available. And, and so I, I think um, it's also incumbent upon us to be those partners and not see ourselves as competitors with those organizations. We all have the same goals. We all want our economies to grow and economies don't stop at county lines or city lines. That's right. No, I love that idea of, especially if you can establish those relationships and just know, hey, going forward, we're going to put out a lot of information. We want to be that trusted source for information in our community. Yep. And if there's anything that resonates with people in your group, whatever your organization is, please take it and share it and anything to support our community. So I absolutely, think that, that's very key. Well, I wanted to ask you if there might be one tip or action item for listeners that they could do to, to maybe lift their chamber up to the next level? Gosh, so um, I was, I had to fill out a, a survey, a questionnaire yesterday about something in, in our community. And I was asked what the best piece of advice I ever received. And, and it was about um, staffing, right? About building a team. Um, and so this one mentor of mine once said, Surround yourself with people who think differently and who have different skills and gifts. And I know we've all heard this yeah. and, and some of us do it really well. And, and some of us, and even me at times have fallen into that trap of, of having people around me who think like me. And, and I'm, and I don't know that I necessarily horribly failed at those moments in my career, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that in the moments of my career, when I have surrounded myself with people who have different perspectives who think differently from me, who have different backgrounds and different skills, we've been so much more successful. And so as I have rebuilt this Wilmington Chamber team since 2017, it's been the focus for me is to ensure that when I'm creating a position and then trying to fill it, that I look at uh, a broad array of talents and skills that I don't necessarily bring because I am I am not the be all know all and um, I need people around me who can backfill my weaknesses um, so that I can soar with my strengths right. and that would be the thing that I would say to get to the next level it really is about building a team around you whether and for you small chamber staff leaders I get it it's like how can I do that I only have one other yeah. position well then bring in volunteers who think differently so whatever your team has to look like. Just make sure that there are people who bring different skill sets to that table and different ways of thinking. Well, and what a great feeling neurologically, you know, when your mind is open to a new perspective. I don't know if it's a flood of, you know, serotonin or dopamine or whatever <laughs> it is. But it's like, whoa, you know, that's how some people see the world. This is amazing. Right. Right. So it really changes your perspective and changes you as a person for the better. It does. Believe, so Absolutely. So I know chambers all over the world are always thinking about the future and Mm -hmm. trying to remain relevant. So Mm -hmm. I always like to ask, as we look to the future of chambers of commerce, how do you see their purpose going forward? Gosh, and certainly in the immediate future, and it it was before the pandemic, but it's just been exacerbated. I think we have to become the resource for talent development in our communities. We have to have our ear to our members and the business community about what they need in talent development, workforce development, if you will. And then we have to advocate 
with our education institutions so that they, while they are unbelievably smart, they don't work in industry every day. And we have to help them as they're creating the curricula and the programming that will develop our future workforce, that workforce that that our businesses need tomorrow and the workforce that they're going to need 10 years from now. I love that. Um, it reminded me, I just recently had uh, Doug Griffith on the uh, on the podcast, the author mm-hmm. of 13 Ways to Kill Your Community. And when I asked him this question, um, he had a slightly different spin on it. But okay. as you talk about talent development, a lot of times we think of the schools and workforce and talent development, which is, I think, right on. And he was looking at it as training for employees of your member businesses. And really the businesses throughout your community. And he said, the number one thing would be to train um, employees and customer service. Right. So when you have people right. visiting from out of town or new to right. the community, yes. if they can go into the local businesses mm-hmm. and have a great experience, absolutely. Say, again, Chamber's perfect to help train the, the talent development in their communities. So just kind yes. of under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. That. Absolutely. We talk about that all the time on our Tourism Development Authority board. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's a great tip. Um, Well, as we start wrapping up here, I'd like to give you an opportunity for any Chamber Champions listening that might want to reach out and connect with you and, you know, maybe expand on on anything that you've shared with us today. What would be the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? Sure. So the best way is probably through email, simply because I I check it sometimes 24-7. It's English, my last name, English at wilmingtonchamber.org. And um, I do try to get back to everybody at least within 24 or so hours and um, would love to help. I, I think that's the best thing. And I don't know who coined the, the R&D phrase as rip off and duplicate, but um, I do it proudly and, and unashamedly. And I, um, I, I encourage people to rip off and duplicate from me anytime <laughs> it helps. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, we will get that in our show notes for this episode, which will be found at chamberchatpodcast.com slash episode 165. But Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I love hearing from your experiences and things that you've learned and, and ways to help the Chamber Champions that are listening. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's a great opportunity. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Success happens over time, not overnight. It's why Fortune 500 companies and other forward-thinking businesses are shifting to a more continuous learning format to coach and support their salespeople. Hallman Brothers Next Level Coaching brings the same ongoing improvement opportunity to chamber membership salespeople. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of Next Level Coaching for your membership pro.